This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. My name's Michael Kuhl. And I'm Roger Bell-West. And we are here as uh, the traditional rainy August bank holiday brings an end to what little summer we've had here in here in High Wycombe. But at least it's a bit cooler this month. Oh, thank God for that, yes. We welcome you back. This month we're going to be talking about um, the game Feng Shui, about... Metaplot, and what is it, and is it a good idea? And also uh, about restarting an old, old campaign. Uh, this month, from the back of our gaming cupboard, or my gaming cupboard, I'm dragging out Feng Shui. Which is not, despite what you may have heard, a game about rearranging furniture. It is occasionally a game about uh, rearranging uh, historic sites around the world, mostly by blowing them up. Feng Shui was um, set, is set in the same universe as the card game Shadow Fist, uh, which was also designed by Robin Laws, and it's a game which attempts to model um, Hong Kong action theatre, uh, action movies from around the world. Um, games involving guns and karate chops and weird eunuch sorcerers and just about every sort of um, fantastic high action event. It's a lovely game. It's a game that I in, have enjoyed immensely and I've got an awful lot of stuff for. It's also a game that I is currently um, at the bottom of my gaming shelf and hasn't been used for a while. So I thought we'd have a look at why. Yeah, it's a game I've played once or twice, uh, and somehow it seems to me I'd need to be desperately energetic. Yeah, well, it, it does tend to uh, it does tend to re- require a certain amount of gung homeness um, in the in the playing of it, and it is um, a, a desperately gung ho uh, sort sort of a game. It's a game which primarily attempts to ensure that it can do the action scenes well. And it does. Um, it does it at the expense of everything else a bit. I'll come back to that. But it is a game that does the, the, the fun bits um, with cars and guns and um, karate chops very well. The setting is a sprawling kitchen sink one which Robin uh, devised to allow just about everything you might see in uh, fantastical um, Far Eastern movies to be included in the universe. Um, it's set sprawled across uh, history with its own a very peculiar time war going on with um, access to the, the past and the future being at specific points via a netherworld of tunnels and, uh, and strange magical sites. It's great fun. Um, one of its great virtues is you can pick up a, and create a character in about uh, 10 minutes, um, less if you uh, if you know the system. And you can be up and playing uh, with uh, enough players in a quarter of an hour uh, from a cold start. In the, in the game you create characters via templates which are capable of being um, mildly uh, personalised and customised. But um, one big bruiser with a big stick is much like any other big bruiser with a big stick. And um, one ancient um, uh, oriental uh, martial arts master may know a bit about flower arranging. And the other one may know a bit about noodles. But uh, they have, uh, they may have a, a different uh, uh, signature martial art, arts move. But um, they are cliches and they're meant to be played as cliches. Fun! Do you have much of the niche protection? And it, it seems to me that if, if you have everybody could beat people up and everybody could shoot people, you, you're at risk. Well, no, no. If there are, you've got to specialise to uh, to a point. There are what are called shticks for the various uh, classes. There are five primary sorts of shticks. There are gun shticks for the gun bunnies. There are kung fu shticks for the martial artists. Um, there are the magic sticks for the magicians. Um, there are special powers for the uh, monsters and the um, 
transform animals. And uh, there are his weird, evil uh, future magic tech for the people from the weird, evil future magic tech universe. Um, and uh, and each one has slightly different specialised things. Everybody can do these things. Everybody could beat somebody up, but unless you're a martial artist, you'll not know whirlwind kick or the or the or the shadow fist manoeuvre unless you unless you specialise in all that. So yes, um, people can do special things, and each of the individual templates normally has one or two special abilities of, of their own, which make them. Um, you probably don't want a game with two big bruisers in it, but um, a big bruiser and uh, and a reformed killer, and uh, maybe a, an old martial arts master are going to have other things that they each things that they they can do uniquely. So okay. that's nice. And there is a whole range, a huge range of scenarios that have been published for it, many of which you can pick up and play without reference to the overarching um, backplot of the secret war which, uh, that crosses time. There are bad guys causing the trouble. There are bad guys causing trouble. It may be a bit obscure about what, why they're doing it, but you can uh, be involved in, um, in in five seconds flat. Lots of the lots of the scenarios, published scenarios, that assume that you know little or nothing and care less about the secrets of, 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 the, of the secret war and work just as well if you do. I think this is this is a good thing from the point of view of getting in players. We, we've previously talked about trying to get players to read multi-page background documents. Yeah. No, you, you've got something where you can start playing. Yeah. Um, the, for a long time it was my go-to game for uh, when I, I wanted something um, in a hurry because a uh, uh, People wanted to role play it, and uh, too many players had not turned up. And I had great fun with it, and I ran one or two very short campaigns with it. I kept on uh, picking up the uh, the supplements for it until well, it sort of uh, dwindled to a halt a few years back. And my problems with it okay, come in two forms. First of all, of the five groups of special abilities, only two of them really fit in my brain very well. The abilities for the gun bunnies and the abilities for the magicians are in very simply in broad terms and work perfectly well within the, the setting of the game. It's got the simplest magic system that, that I've ever come across, and yet it's it's still flavourful for that sort for that sort of um, setting. Okay. But all the others, the three others. Um, the martial arts paths and the arcana wave, the stuff from the future, and the uh, individual powers of the monsters and the and, and the transformed animals are long lists. I mean, I was more bottled by uh, by the charms list in Exalted, but that's the only thing that did boggle me. And I can't get my head around it. I don't know why. Maybe something to do with the names. I mean, I'm the person who's run. Um, GURPS fantasy games, and I've read all through um, GURPS magic. I don't have it all in my head, but I seem to have the sense that I can pick up. Um, I have most of it, um, and I'm, I'm confident that I can look up the more obscure spells and remember most of the details I'm going to need most of the time. But and that's a lot more longer in, in, in word terms than the sections in the Feng Shui core rulebook that I can't seem to get it my head around. That the individual spells have names that basically tell you what they do. Visions of the past, fireball. Yeah, that's, that's probably part of it. Uh, it can't be all of it, because I can manage to remember Whispers to the Black Gate and um, and a ball of abyssal flame from uh, Ars Magica. Yeah, I tell you what, Ars Magica, Ars Magica again, um, spells, they sound pretentious, but they do describe what they do. Whereas uh, as the path of the crane, hang on, let's have a look. It's a path of the shadows companion. First li list of, of food powers. Go friend of darkness, dark soft whisper, blade of darkness. Well, you can guess what that does. Gathering the darkness, strike from darkness, and shelter of darkness. Ah, they don't trigger anything in my brain. And crane stance, wing of the crane, beak of the crane, talon of the crane. Good grief! Not to mention dim of mac, which sounds like something you find in, in, in an egg, egg, egg roll. 
Mind you, the, the only one of these shticks I ever remember is Carnival of Carnage, and I can't remember what it does. Yeah, it's very. It allows you to slaughter mooks. Um, <laughs> this is the first first game which uh, which um, I ever came across, which had separate rules for um, the less important characters being slaughtered very easily, and uh, the, and I have mixed feelings about mookism. I know as a, as a GM, it's not, it's a lot more convenient. But but I do sort of miss the ability of uh, of some of the minor characters to some promote themselves by a lucky roll to uh, to, to semi stardom. Yeah, one of the dis- obvious descendants of this in in the cinematic uh, GURPS rules, you can have bad guys who automatically fail their consciousness checks when you when you wound them enough. Mm. For example, that you still have to hit them and wound them enough and uh, overcome their armor and whatever. But they will go down quickly, and they won't get up and stab you in the back later. Yeah, whereas the whereas the fifteen unnamed uh, screaming assassins who are just keeping you away from the big bad in, in Feng Shui are going to go down to a carnival of carnage. Yeah, say. your 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 job is is to reap, reap them with a scythe of death to look cool. Yeah, looking cool is very important in this game, and one of the neat things is the encouragement for uh, for for player characters to come up with really cool looking ways to. Uh, uh, to pull off whatever it is they're trying to uh, to pull off, and the one of the most enjoyable supplements is a list of um, precisely what damage you you could do uh, with the, with the the tray of canapes. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever else it is you've pulled up as a as a improvised improvised weapon, and uh, also there's also a list of uh, of cool locations and stuff you might find in a back alley uh, behind the uh, behind the club. Th- this is helpful to me because while, while I like the idea of being able to say hey I'm in a warehouse is there a crane I can swing from? Of course there is my son. I don't always come up with that at the right moment it's nice to have some prompts sometimes. Yeah. The thing that does occur to me is some advice to players in paranoia which I think is quite appropriate here. Be, be exciting and the fates will smile on you. Be boring and you're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, be boring is is the precise opposite of the point of, of Feng Shui. Now, the, the the fact that I couldn't get my head around um, some parts of the system um, and the fact that, uh, that as Robin admits, um, there is no way that you can write down a set of guidelines as to how to create your own templates sort of meant that I find my, found myself leaping from published scenario to published scenario. And that wasn't something that the, the game line um, made easy to tie into. Was there ever a big campaign? There never was, oddly enough. There were lots of... There were books for the various factions um, that you were fighting or being part of. Mm-hmm. And um, adventures set in the background of their... Of each individual faction's uh, domino, uh, area they dominated. Adventures for or against sorcerers in AD 69, for or against the the world-spanning empires in 1850, um, and against the uh, the evil um, te- uh, evil dystopia of the future with the Arcana Ware. But it wasn't easy to tie all this together, and eventually I found myself giving up. I may have made a mistake. Oh, I know I've talked before that there's a, a, a rookie mistake in Ars Magica, where the GM tries to start with a spring camp, uh, a spring covenant, a new, a new covenant of, of magicians, with of building up from nothing. And that is the, a basic mistake if you've never run it before. And I made the mistake, I think, with Feng Shui of starting with player characters who knew nothing about the background, who knew nothing about the secret war. I think... No, you, as, as you just said, that, that is kind of what you're channeled into, both, both by character generation and by the published adventures. It's yeah, at least yeah. not saying you shouldn't do this. Oh, I, yeah, but I think, actually, what you should do is start in media race, at least with most of the, most of the characters. You can have one player character who's a total innocent, what's going on, what's going on? The chap they can explain everything to. But, um... Guys with glowing green eyes, bad. Bad. <laughs> if it drools on the floor and the floor starts dissolving, that's bad. The thing is, I think if you started in media race and then worked backwards to explain how this group of misfit heroes came together, 
might work better. There's a late release uh, for the game called Friends of the Dragon, which is a guide to building up a series of ideas of a show based around being a cop, being a, being a criminal, being one of those ridiculous uh, teenage groups of, of, of brightly suited heroes from Japanese, uh, uh, Japanese TV shows. Um, and tying all those into the into the secret war, I think if there were better guidelines in the core rulebook on how to get everybody together and how to plot things together, then I might have stuck with it. But my technical difficulties, it just didn't stick in my memory, and 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 the the fact I couldn't bind it all together with a plot I could make up myself, I think that's what killed it. I still want to do it. It's still enormous fun. Yeah, I, I got the um, basic book and a couple of supplements a while ago, and somewhat like you, I think I, I kind of bounced off off the big background. I didn't didn't feel it was introduced in a way that I could get a handle on. Well, yeah, it is a complicated background. It's a clever background. The the yeah. idea that if you control enough uh, sites through which chi is being channeled, the feng shui sites, the, the ley line sites then you can control the world. But uh, my player, my campaign never went on long enough for them to get deeply into that and the possibilities of changing the past. I'm wondering whether it, given, given that the usual resort for how do you solve this problem is what would the film do? Yeah. That's the impression I get from the, this. Oh, uh, yeah, it's right? definitely intended to be cinematic. Is whether one should say, okay, this, this is a game of films, not TV series. It's not an ongoing thing with a, with a season big bad and, and an overall plot. It's it's a film, and then maybe later we'll have another film that might have some of the same characters in it, but it's a different film. It's it's not a, directly following on. But it, this is just occurring to me as, as I think about it now. Perhaps one should try not to build in the really long-term continuity beyond what the yeah. players insist on. I take your point. Um, except that for... Uh, uh, yeah, except for for regular for for regular gaming, you want week on week, you want the feel of uh, of a TV show. At least that's it's the way yeah. Robin tends to is tending to to go nowadays with his his new system. It's it's the way I've been thinking of my regular gaming sessions ever since um, ever since reading Prime Time Adventures. I think the the idea that I want to steal um, yeah. is a form of TV show that's pretty much unknown in English-speaking countries, though it hasn't happened a little bit in the US, yeah. which is the telenovela, which is, it's as, as implemented currently, it's, it's basically a soap opera in style, yeah. you know, um, Affairs of the Rich and Famous would, would be a, a fairly standard yeah. setting, but it is known from the beginning to be a fixed story. It's maybe 120 episodes, broadcast se uh, several per week over the space of maybe six to nine months. Mm -hmm. So while you've got the ongoing plot effect of having more time than just a, just a single two-hour film, yeah. you know that there's going to be an end point, you know where that end point is going to come. So unlike the standard American TV series, you don't just go on and on and on until the ratings get bad and you have a, a lousy last season and then you get cancelled. You know it's going to end. Yeah. And if, it's, if it was successful, you, can, you then might start another one with... Again, some of the same characters. Hmm. I, I think this has. I think this has things to say to role playing which aren't really being heard just yet, I, because it's basically unknown on TV in, in the West. I'm not sure. Telenovela means uh, soap opera to me, and um, whilst there are fun things to be done with soap opera, and soap opera elements are needed in most role playing games, I, I'm looking at the narrative length. Yeah, but, I, I'm, I'm, I'm but, but don't you need to know where you're going? Yes. But I never but know that. L l let's say you might have a campaign which is, th th this, this is about, oh, dr driving the monsters out of this land. Okay. And when that's done, that campaign will end and everybody knows it will end. Hmm. Everybody knows up front, the GM has, has an idea of how this is going to be done. It's a closed-ended scenario. It's, it's not you know, a single adventure. Uh-huh. But... There is, there is going to come that point. You, you don't immediately scrabble for, right, we've done that, what next? Well, what next might be something completely different. Hmm. And it might be, you know, 15, 20 sessions, perhaps. You're talking about a, 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 bonded, a bounded arc, a story arc, with 
are definite. The thing is, I, I want to play to find out what the story is. I have done things like this. Um, I've done it recently with the Seven Voyages of Sir Alessandro Lacey, which I think I mentioned a couple of times, where I, I knew that it was going to end at the Emperor's Millennium Ball, one way or another. But I don't know. I think I think I may do this more than I think I do, but um, it, 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 I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. You'd have to you'd have to show me an outline. I'm still working on this myself. I, I'm planning to try it with the, with the next campaign I, I propose to people. Okay. Well, um, let's see, see how it goes. Okay. Well, we've wandered a bit. Um, Feng Shui yep. is great fun, and anybody who wants to kick ass and blow stuff up and uh, either fight or join the armies of the flying monkeys should um, take a look at this game. Yeah, it, it's not a game if you want excruciatingly technical detail, which I will admit sometimes I do. It, uh, it, it, it's a game about, this is more or less right, go with it, have fun. It's a game um, about melodrama um, at some level. I, I should have done the melodrama bits better than I, than I did them when I rang it. But, um, yeah, um, I, I should go back. I should, uh, I should give it another try. Sometime, next time that they fail to turn up on a regular day. See previous sessions, previous yeah. sessions of this podcast. All right, well, let's move on. For this purpose, at least, we can say some sort of lasting change to the game world that, so, that yeah. isn't introduced in the core book. Well, with exceptions, there are there are games which start out with uh, meta plot in, embedded and um, intending to do it right from the start. But all right, it's it's something you need more stuff for. There, there has at some point been a game that didn't have this particular information in it, and now things have changed. Okay, go on. Um, it, it's a bit fuzzy. I mean. If you have a new edition of a, of the rules, yeah, and you've got a game where the rules and world are bound together, quite often they'll move the world on a few years as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, here is here is this nifty new stuff that the rules now support. Well, there's something in the world to support that as well. Fair enough. Uh, or it might just be each supplement advances things a little bit. Hmm. I would say probably mostly out of fashion now, but it was very big in the in the 90s in particular. Yeah. What was the first one you met that did it? I, mean, I oh, think I, th- I think the most obvious were 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 World of Darkness stuff. They mm-hmm. they they had a tendency right from the start to have stonking great NPCs in the background and stuff the stonking great NPCs were going to do, whether you did anything or not. Yeah, which is what I call the witness problem. You, you've got um, you've got your player characters up and ready to do stuff. But all they can do is sit back and watch the NPCs do their stuff, which is a, a pain. Yeah, I think the first one I met was Traveller when they did the Fifth Frontier. Oh yeah, war, I forgot about I, I th- which was fair. It was it was sort of looming in the background that the, that someday this war is going to break out. Well, they had the, they had the board game come out. I think I've even yes. got a copy somewhere. And um, and the board game went stonk right across the uh, across the the background. But it didn't seem to me that that affected very much what was going on. In the things that the player characters did, yeah. Now that that did come in rather later when they did the whole. Uh, I think it was Mega Traveler that did the whole collapse yeah. of the Empire Civil now War. that were, that was that was that was meta plot. All, all of a sudden, a fresh, for a fresh edition. Yeah, but it means that all of a sudden, all those old adventures just don't make sense anymore. They can't happen in this new universe. Yeah. But anyway, did RuneQuest ever do it? I mean, I know RuneQuest introduced stuff, but did they have an advancing history? Um, in theory, uh, yes. The uh, the first thing that came out um, for Glorantha was White Bear Red Moon, which is now Dragon Pass, the board game. And that is set after, some years after, the events that are current time in uh, in most Glorantha adventures. Okay. Um, there is a, this great big hero, Prince Argrath, who is coming out to um, throw down the Lunar Empire and bring down the moon. And that is fixed in the history... Pretty much, and there's the, Greg Staff has even written a book, uh, uh, King of Sartar. No, 
is King of Sata, which is the um, is the future history. But he's in a rather twisty and clever way said, yes, there are certain fixed events here. But who actually plays them out is um, a matter is a, a matter that's um, free for your campaign. Your Glorantha will vary. Now that's something that Shadowrun I think did quite well. They uh, at various times during their publication history they've had ongoing events. Yeah. But what they generally say is, an anonymous group of runners did this yeah. particular thing, i.e., succeeded in whatever previous adventure they were referring to. <laughs> and if that was your PCs, then you could say, "Great, we did that." Yeah. And if it wasn't, then, well, somebody did. And it, it, it didn't generally invalidate the earlier books. Mm. Um, what One of the nice things about that was by doing that, they could say, OK, in this previous adventure it was discovered yeah. this hideous nasty exists. It hasn't just vanished without trace. There is a knock-on effect in the world. People are reacting to that. The, the one that, to me, really made this obvious was Torg. I never got deeply into Torg, I must admit. I, it's it's one I'd like to take a look back at at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But they were quite explicit about it. Each, each published adventure had feedback forms. Yeah. So they would they would ask, you know, was this particular NPC defeated or did he get away? Um, did any of these players get corrupted to the dark side or not? Um, and at least in theory, I don't know how much they actually paid attention to it in practice, um, mm -hmm. this would affect the course of future adventures. Uh, in, in their newsletter they had... the. Just quick, quick one-paragraph rumours. Yeah. And they asked people to say, do you think this is true in your game or not? Hmm. And the ones that got voted up high enough were true in, in the world. Actually, an earlier example, um, which occurs to me, it was, never, it was never strictly enforced because the, because the game line and the world never got that popular, was Empire of the Petal Throne and um, Tekimel. Um, every so often, Professor Barker would put, uh, print out a, a set of uh, reports to the Petal Throne about uh, various persons' um, adventures, saying this happened, that happened. Um, there are reports from your, your cohorts in the city of, um, of Jakala, my lord, that there have been further evidence of bright blue lights seen in the lower levels of the underworld. What action do you wish to take? <laughs> Which is very nice. It, it was basically not used as an enforcing thing, but it was there. And eventually, you got the uh, the, uh, the set campaign meta plot of uh, of the Dark Emperor taking a, a, the death of the Old Emperor and his uh, son who wor worshipped the uh, the God of the Undead taking over, well, usurping, and then somebody else coming along, and that became background for later for later editions. I'm not sure. If a setting is big enough, then I think that sort of that sort of onward-going set plot is sort of necessary in some way. One example is I'm going to be talking about a, in a later section, um, Earth, um, Steve Jackson games, standard fantasy setting, and between first, I'm sorry, second edition fantasy and GURPS Bainstorm, there was not only a um, change in the system that there was there was 10 or more years of time that they had to account for and things happening and basically i i i i don't i don't feel badly that there is a um a separate universe that went slightly different from the way mine did but i do find when what i'm i think of as meta plot is when there's stuff going on and there are as background adventures coming out, coming out, and there's nothing that allows you any wiggle room. Yeah, one game that did that quite a bit we talked about last time was Cyberpunk. Mm. Uh, the fourth corporate war meta plot was essentially came down to everything is done by a bunch of NPCs who are based, actually based on the original playtest PC group yeah. plus an author self-insertion character. And oh, those are annoying. And it was just going to go along, and it was going to happen, whatever you did. 7th C had a bit of that as well. Um, important mm. NPCs were explicitly described as, you cannot kill these, because they have stuff to do. Well, yeah, um, there was, there are, there are a shed load. The World of Darkness, as, as I say, had, a, had a, a tendency to produce insanely powerful NPCs and put them in place right from the start. And... There was always a feeling of didacticism about the old world of darkness, about um, its assumptions about what was evil and what was good and what, and how the world was corrupt. 
was, it went on about uh, technology and the business and pollution in ways that were a little bit um, of the time. Uh, let's be fair about this pretty heavy-handed even for the time. Yeah. Because right, right at the other end of the world of darkness, you yeah. have, OK, this world is simply going to end. If you're going to play this adventure, you're not going to be able to play in this world afterwards, because that's it. Hmm. The only, the only world of, old work, world of darkness line that appealed to me was Mage the Ascension. And I have somewhere, though I never finished reading it, the book they issued about the Ascension, the wind-up of, of, of the line, how the world could come come to an end. And it was... Uh, the reason I didn't finish reading it, I think, is it was built on so many other... the assumptions of so many other adventures that I hadn't read or, or participated <laughs> in, going in a specific way, uh, to get to that point, that I was um, I was slightly boggled. Who are these people? Red Star? What Red Star? Well, th this is one obvious upside from the game publisher's point of view. Mm -hmm. If you're going, to, if the player is going to be involved in that plot, or at least if the group is, then the GM at least has to keep buying the books. Well, yes, um, yes, yes. This is blatantly mercenary. I don't suppose anybody's rubbing their hands with glee about the huge profits they're going to make. This is role playing after all. Yeah. But you know, it, it does help keep the books selling, keep keep the thing in business. Yeah. Um, just look, something that's sort of semi RPG. It has been played as a role-playing game occasionally is Battlesack, where you've, got, you've mm. got a history with dates. You've got, I think at this point, more than 100 years documented in reasonable detail. Yeah. But people feel quite free to say, OK, for this game, I'm not going to be on the cutting edge of the timeline that they just published last week. I'm going to play this historical battle. Yeah, well, it is a, it is a wargaming... It's, it's a wargaming war simulationist-centred. Yeah, but but no, nobody's technology that doesn't exist. Nobody's really expecting to say, okay, well, I want my play of this battle to feed back into the greater. No, true. Partly because it's very difficult to play a large scale game like Battletech. You, you're doing, you know, a, a few people on the side engagements, which aren't going to usually going to have any effect on the grand scheme of things. I don't, I really don't believe in the um, in the living world idea, if that's what it's called. The the idea that all the disparate groups. All over the world, playing in the in the in this particular shared fantasy, can feed back into um, what quote really happens. I don't think it can be made to work. Um, it it could be stranger. I understand that for uh, L5R, the actual motorplot is driven by the card, collectible card game. It's the 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 role the role players are having to follow along with stuff that really they have no influence over at all. <laughs> but, Look, looking at the downsides of this in, in a bit, bit systematically, you've got the idea that things have changed, first of all. Um, mm. what, once a particular campaign has accepted this change, it may well make older adventures, and it may, some, even, some older characters may become unplayable. Well, if, the, if, if, if... If a war has broken out, you can't do the peacetime adventures anymore, most no, of it. true. Um, I, I'm not sure I have a problem... With this, I mean the 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 way way Traveller uh, did it with uh, with Mega Mega Traveller um, was partly driven by their their desire to have um, have the whole new system highlighted and, and and capable of doing interesting new things. They thought, but I think the rule has to be: don't introduce any change that makes the universe less fun. Mm. And I feel Mega Traveller violated that quite a lot. It went downhill towards um, doom and gloom and then they it had, was the 90s it was well everybody had to be doomy and gloomy in the 90s no, I was trying to be cheerful and that's probably why I wasn't terribly successful but I was trying to be cheerful the whole thing was winding down to it towards the doom and gloom so they could have travel of the new era come along um, in five years time and, and be, be a post-apocalyptic thing and the reason, it, and the reason I know it didn't work is that Steve Jackson Games managed to have such a a great um, success with re retrofitting back into the timeline that hadn't been altered. Don't worry, the the Third Imperium is still here in this game. Yeah, but if you're going to make uh, make a change to to the universe, why do so many people make it a depressing change? <laughs> I'm going to be that nasty about Joss Joss Whedon here because he he did it in the in the seventh season of. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, the comic books, and uh, decided to abolish ma most of the magic in the world. And I thought, why? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Yeah, if if you were gaming a magician at that point, yeah, you need to find a new thing to do with your life. Which, 
sometimes it's fun, but it's not something I want to thrust at, at, at uh, pieces. Yeah. And part, part of the thing is, if you don't buy the book, then you just have no idea what's going on later supplements, as you were saying with the um, Mage End of the World. Yeah. One thing that I'm a little bit concerned about, at least, is incompatibility. If, if I've got an, if there's an ongoing campaign, mm -hmm. and let us say in this campaign that there's a, there's a big nasty villain who has yeah. a lieutenant. Um, maybe the, the meta plot says, right, the villain's lieutenant has killed him and taken over. Mm -hmm. Maybe that GM's campaign has already established that lieutenant is actually a mole yeah. working to try, try to restrain the nastiness of the villain. And th these are just... yeah. I, I, either at that point you abandon the meta plot completely or mm -hmm. you big, make big changes to the campaign. On the whole, there are two problems. First of all, it's... A big, a big enforced change across a, a whole game line, rather than an option here. This is the way you could take it. That forces things on the players, and worse still, and this is my second point. It forces things on the GM, mm -hmm. and as GM, I deeply resent this. Yeah, I want to be able to um, develop things in a direction that I want to take it, and um, to to make make changes to the world now. There is an argument to be made that even an individual GM needs to discuss with his players if he's going to make a huge change to the assumptions behind a particular um, setting. We all like to do this, but at least if I'm doing it for an individual group, I've got some sort of feeling about how each individual player is going to react. Ooh, I like surprising yeah. the players... But I don't want to surprise them in ways that are going to make them leave the game. We've we've talked before about shifting between the actor mode and the mm. author writing room sort of mode. Yeah. Uh, I think if you if you're planning this for, for an existing campaign, um, then it's a good idea to do that to some extent. Um, to be just to step out and say to the players, okay, I I have a change roughly of this shape in mind. How do you guys feel about that? Except you do lose the uh, expression of. What the hell on their faces? You do, <laughs> but it. I don't like not doing that because it, it feels like bait and switch. You know, I, I built a character for this campaign I wanted to play in, and now it's going to become that campaign that I don't yeah. want to play in. I well, if you if you can maintain, I don't know, function. I, I don't know. I have I have been, I have been told I'm a bad boy for doing this, and. Um, Sometimes I have been deceiving about the very premises of uh, of <laughs> what, what what a game is is about. I I don't know. It's a delicate it's a delicate uh, balance. It, it, it's it's like playing a surprise party for your wife. I imagine not being married. Um, we neither of us really like surprise parties. This is something we negotiated before we got married. Gosh, that's sensible. <laughs> um, but it, it does seem to me. Let's say you're running a game every week, every two weeks, something like that. Yeah. Um, even a very active game publisher is not going to be able to produce stuff fast enough to keep up with that. True. And unless you only ever talk, deal with plot issues in the official adventures and, and stick to small stuff in between, you, you are going to outrun it. You're going to develop incompatibilities. Yeah. Um, that said, I've, I've stretched um, one published adventure, such as um, the River of Cradles adventure, uh, published in um, the third edition. Uh, RuneQuest uh, book about about Parvis. Um, I've stretched that over. That's designed to be stretched over mul multiple weeks. But yeah, the, there was one adventure that my co-GM and I thought, well, this this will just be a quick thing to to get players into the mood before the, the main thing happens. And eight months later, <laughs> <laughs> oh well. But yes, but, I, t I, t I take you. You're going. You're going to. You can diverge with just with just um, one blow of a sword or, or, or one shot from a crossbow. God knows my games have sometimes. <laughs> um, so, uh, and one, one careless, careless word, one bit of brilliant bit of, bit of, of, of role-playing um, from, uh, from a, a, a player who, who sees an opportunity and seizes it can change an enemy to a friend or vice versa. I like that. I One of the things that I like to reward players with when they do something really good is, right, here you have had a lasting effect on the game world. Yeah. It's something other people are going to know about, something you can see every time you look at it. Yeah, one of my um, one of my players um, solved a problem with a rampaging blue dragon by persuading her that he could shapeshift 
into uh, a blue dragon himself and um, give her the child that she that she wanted. Um, and it's gonna it's it's having echo on effects throughout throughout the the later part parts of of, of the the game, which haven't yet been fully resolved. <laughs> Looking into the other side, though, um, let's say you come to a world with meta plot after the initial publication. Yeah. If you're starting it then, even the titles of books can be a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> and yes, obviously players are going to try to avoid taking advantage of this or most of them are. But when, when a book is called The Montaigne Revolution, this is going to influence how you think about Montaigne. Yes. <laughs> that, that was 7C. On the other hand, there are games and settings which come with no uh, meta plot. The, the, the one I'm thinking of is Harm. Which I think, despite its great detail, the loving care that has been put into crafting the, this this medieval world, I think is slightly the wor worse for it. I've tried when I, I've run it to introduce overarching changes into the setting to make um, some of the tensions ca uh, come through. I had a, uh, an NPC Joan of Arc figure um, for the Church of Lorani coming across and um, preaching against the things that some of that uh, supposedly chivalrous um, religion was doing to some of the natives under mm. its care, but because it isn't, because they have deliberately taken the decision, we publish the history up to seven twenty and no further. Yeah, um, it, there is a certain lack of drive in the um, in the in, in the setting now. The same sort of thing applies to transhuman space. This is ex yeah. explicitly fixed date. All campaign materials are, are correct as of that date. Um, it, it does Getting seem to me, still. yeah, it does seem to be that if you've if you've got particularly a large and complicated world, mm. then it's nice that it's nice for things to move on without PCs always necessarily being involved. I mean, mm. if if the book has said there is this particular tricky situation. And nine months later, the PCs decide to get involved with it, and it's still exactly as it was. Mm. That does feel a bit artificial. Though, for my my approach would probably be to um, have move that on as background information produced by the GM rather than expecting yeah. it to be. Oh uh, yeah, game. you can't you can do too much of of oh, and this has happened. One of my problems with uh, one of my recently concluded games, um, which was uh, set in Glorantha, is that the the players have got themselves um, to the attention of the great and good, but they're 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 no nowhere near being powerful enough to be able to make a major difference. They've brushed up against Calia Starbrow, she's an NPC in the background, but they're not nearly important enough for her to give um, the many important missions or um, anything like that. But they've got a contact, mm. and it if the if in the world. There's a level at which they can make a small small differences, or even even by accident, usually um, large ones. Then it doesn't matter that the, the the meta plot is going on over their heads, as long as there's something they can be doing that seems important at the level that they're doing it. Yeah, and m maybe you're not saving the world, but but maybe you are make, making sure that the great big war that is moving past doesn't flatten your city, yeah. as it might be. Um, you, oh, you, the emperor, the mountain is high. The emperor is far away. But let's deal with all the problems we have here and now. Yeah, and I'm thinking briefly of my World War Two campaign. Mm. The, the PCs have had a disproportionate effect on it, but there are still lots of things that they haven't touched at all, and I'm just trotting those out as the timeline demands, yeah. partly to give it give a feeling of what's going on, which I think is yeah. very helpful. But imposed metaplot. From the publisher's point of view, yes, you can see, we'll commission this, we'll commission that. We have an outline, but I think an outline, uh, given the peculiar state uh, form of our art form, I think too much of an outline of how the plot is supposed to go is going to kill creativity at too many levels. Yeah, I think if I, if I were involved in publishing a game line, which nobody is daft enough to allow me to be, I would probably aim for something like the Shadowrun sort of level, mm. where we well, we can broadly accept that these effect, these things have happened, but we're not going to name the specific people who are in them. So 
players of successful characters can say, yeah, we did that thing, and that, that thing we did is in this official supplement. Yeah. Which, which is, it's, it's rewarding. I think e- I, Even if it doesn't actually name them, because it can't. Yeah, the, I think from, from my point of view, what I want from a setting is adventures, uh, things that I can explore, things that I can, I can do. That are consistent with with the with the background. I, I I deeply wish, given that I I I love the world and keep setting adventures there, that Steve Jackson games would do more with the ear to the world of Bainstorm mm. and uh, show me a little more of the fi- of the fine detail. I th- I suspect they're leery of it because uh, Treadroy, which was one of their early supplements, um, set in a city in the in the world, it didn't quite work. Um, it was an early, uh, early experiment and um, had several flaws to it. But I, I would really love to see the, the the background of the Empire of Megalosh or more about Kate Ness during their mm. civil war. It'd be very nice to see. But um, if you're listening, <laughs> line developers, since I'm assuming most of our audience are probably not game publishers, I think it's also worth considering how how do you do a meta plot like effect. Mm-hmm. A big transformative moment in an existing campaign. Um, I, I think we're slightly at odds here. I, I'm generally in favour of asking the players to buy into it explicitly. How are you going to? How? Are you, well, all right, all right. I, I am, I am, I'm in favour of hinting and giving them plenty of, of opportunities to realise it's about to happen. Maybe even the opportunity to stop it. But. Mm. Um, uh, but not to show my hand too clearly. All right, so have you done this? Have you gone to them? Um, give, give examples. I tend to avoid this completely <laughs> because while I love big transformative moments, what I tend, in fact, to do is put them in one-shot adventures to run at conventions. Aha. Uh-huh. So I'm playing with players who are not particularly invested in the world already. So when when the zombie plague breaks out... yeah. They're realising, hey, there's the zombie plague wrecking up, but they they haven't already said, right, I'm I'm signing up to play a cop game for the next two years. Well, Where yeah. Where are these zombies coming from? I see. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Would you, if if you say, say um, let's take your World War Two uh, game of weirdness. Let us say that it's uh, it got to the stage where the Nazis are um, facing final defeat. And they managed to pull out something like a plague of, of of animated dead, and it gets out of control. How are you going to say to your players, would you mind if this happened? Because it's, it's going to get a bit bloody and unpleasant. Mm. Well, I may be trying this in a little while. There, there are certain events moving partly due to PC action, partly completely irrelevant. But you can blame them for it, you know. Which may divert the course of the war somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say any more because they may be listening. We hope so. So, ask me again in a few months' time. Okay. <laughs> All right, well... The, the, the other thing I think one should possibly consider is if, as a GM, I'm I'm feeling I really want to change this thing, maybe the answer is actually to explicitly to shut down the campaign and start up a new one. Mm-hmm. I'm not as fond of long-running campaigns as many GMs. Well, we'll come back to that in our next segment, I, I think. I am fond of long-running running campaigns. I can't think of any moments at which I've explicitly changed the, the the rules on them. I'm leading up to a moment which will change Earth in one of my um, campaigns, which I must get back to soon. It does seem to me that in Earth in particular you have the, the big hanging thing, the matter of the Emperor's little problem and whether people find out about it. Ah, uh, yeah, well, I've solved that twice over. But um, once yeah. you've done that, you are going to diverge from anything that is published. It is, and I have um, I have outlines for campaigns set after um, uh, the Emperor's Little Problem has been solved, um, but not got to them yet. Um, the other big problem hanging in the background, which I suspect the, the, the line developers mean never to be solved, but there are PCs involved, is the is the is the mystery of the Ministry of Serendipity and Friends, <laughs> and who's really behind it and all? And uh, the big transformation is that 
Yeah, I'll go shut up now. Keep your mouth shut, Michael. Right, on to the next thing. On to the next thing. <laughs> Monday, um, again came to an end in uh, one of my two regular weekly groups, and I said, uh, what do people want to uh, do next? Um, feeling, having rested while somebody else was jamming, that I was ready. And somebody said, well, what about going back to Wellborn? And I thought, oh, right. Last time I proposed that to that particular player, he said he would be bored going back to the Mel campaign. But I said, fine, yes, I can do that. And I went back and got out um, the details of the old campaign and discovered, to my shock, it's ten years since I, I, I finished it, and it must have it about eight since I last proposed that we do it. And this is going to require a little more work than I had previously anticipated. This was a game um, based on an article in uh, Pyramid, when it was um, a print journal, which tells you how long ago this was. Volume one which was um, called Earth 1100. Um, for those who are not enthusiastic or in the know, um, Steve Jackson Games' basic GURPS fantasy setting is one in which, about 1100, a group of, groups of people from our Earth, or something similar, are transported to a parallel world uh, full of elves and dwarves and orcs, and uh, managed to settle down there and uh, build up their own cultures and eventually come to dominate the continent in the way humans so notoriously do. They breed so fast. Ah, oh, it's a terrible thing, like rabbits. And this uh, was um, a game set in um, the early years of the Bainstorm exodus from Earth, in which I took a um, small English village, uh, based around Bourne End in Buckinghamshire, which wasn't actually a village at the time, but it would do, mm -hmm. and dropped it um, into uh, Earth near uh, the Black Forest and ran for about two years quite successfully. And I now have to try and find a means of reviving it. Now, what I have are my campaign diary. I have lots of printouts um, of NPCs because I was by that time bothering to um, use a computer to uh, uh, create NPCs for GURPS. I have the campaign write-ups which I did for Alarms and Excursions. Um, brief plug for Alarms and Excursions here. The I'll find a link for it. You do that thing. And, um, and I have slight problems. First of all, GURPS has undergone um, a, a new edition since um, uh, since then, so I'm going to have a lot of mechanical work uh, laid out for me, getting the characters to be compliant with four. Broadly compatible, but there are some twiddly bits. Yeah, there's going to be a fair amount of twiddle. And there's also one or two setting-specific problems. One of which is what I'm going to call the away team problem. My player characters were the core leaders, the... Um, the people more or less in charge of the of the village. We have um, the Lord of the Manor, um, who inherited from his father, who was an NPC who died during the first orc invasion. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, the the village priest, who is now a werewolf, but he's all right for the rest of the rest of the rest of the month as long as he keeps his temper. Um, we have his younger sister, who uh, turns out to be a, a mage and is uh, taking lessons. And we have uh, two lower class fighters, one of whom has been knighted much against his will, <laughs> and the other one of whom is his, uh, his scapegrace son, um, the best archer in the village. Now the waiting problem is, of course, that all these people should stay at home and look after the village, and um, they're, they're too valuable to want to risk going out and doing stupid stuff. Uh, well, and 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 the set of circumstances in which I could risk all of them doing stupid stuff has to be uh, fairly extraordinary. So I have a I have a slight problem that I have a level of the game at which 
they should gather together with the NPCs who are influential and decide stuff about the future of the village. But I also want the traditional swashbuckling and uh, going out and thwacking things bit. Have you considered Osmagica style? I have. Play? Troop play seems to be one of the uh, logical logical things. We give each player a second character, um, um, slightly less powerful than the ones that are already in play, and allow each of the ones who are in play time out to go and do individual missions and stuff that are, will be important to them. Mm-hmm. Whilst the other players are either playing their main character or playing somebody less imp- less advanced, not less important, but less advanced from the village. The other option I thought of, and I'm not sure if I can sell this to them, is to do Wellborn, for that is the name of the campaign, Wellborn, the next generation. Mm-hmm. We move it forward to um, 10, 20 years in the future, when the children of the previous characters are growing up and are facing fresh challenges. But that, I suspect, is going, is going to be resisted. Um, well, there's, there's a sense, for, for me at least, of a, of a terminological argument. Yeah. Yes, yes, another one. Um, to what extent is that actually restarting a campaign yeah. as opposed to running a new campaign in the same world? You're not wrong. Um, the it, it, would be, it would be that. It would be definitely based on all the events that have gone on on before, and yes, that's why I would resist it if if I were them. Somehow, I managed during the previous run, and it was getting to be this way uh, beforehand, to find enough events that everybody was busy. I also tended to do running parallel plot lines, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, The scene when you would cut back to the Enterprise to see what Picard is doing uh, this week would happen in the middle of the uh, the, away, the away team team mission, and I had to juggle um, several lines of things going on to keep everybody involved and everybody interested. Yeah, what well, one of the games that I would like to run sometime but haven't is essentially a an exploration starship with with multiple PCs per player hmm. in different roles. So because in spite of Star Trek, you don't always want the captain going down. And, well, yeah, I even Star Trek knew, uh, knew that in the next generation, as I say. But anyway. So those are some basic problems. My my initial um, take on this is I'm going to have to write up the, um, uh, the, the background notes to make them available to the players. I suspect some of them will have better memories of this than I will. Um, and I'm going to have to ask for a general purpose... Um, forgiveness for anything that I get wrong and be willing to incorporate stuff that they remember with fondness and which I've somehow managed to skip over. Mm. Um, it's going to... It, it, I, I improvise NPCs uh, and characters and details and sometimes the players can tell that I'm improvising and sometimes they think it's part of my deep and cunning plan. It's um, always part of your deep and cunning plan, plan obviously. Uh, and sometimes I take I take proper notes at the time Often I don't. I think in this context it's particularly important because at least part of the reason why they're asking for the campaign is there is something about it that they liked. Yeah. Therefore they should get that thing that they liked. Yeah, you're quite right. And in that case, talking out with you, I think I, I think unless they show, oh yes, that's a good idea, um, reactions, I think I'm probably going to go with the, with the, the troop option, as a, at least as, a, as an option. It seemed to work for Ars Magica, so... Well, yeah, but Ars Magica is working over a far larger time scale the, the, mm. than I am. Pe- it, people vanish into the lab for a year, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, aha, I have finally worked... I have finally created my flying carpet. They come out saying, good, wish we had a use for it, so the rest of the way. <laughs> um, but um, whilst I am allowing seasons to pass, and it, um, because it's a game about building up the village and making alliances and dealing with the, the, the political and practical problems of being a small village in the middle of a, a howling wilderness and, and mm. with other people who think that the howling wilderness belongs to them. Um, even though time is going by, I still want the, the little details. I still want them 
going out into the black woods and discovering strange things and I still want them going out on embassies to um, nearby settlements and trying to make alliances and discovering their secrets. Are all the potential players in this people who are in the old campaign? Yeah. That's quite a remarkable group's ability by, by my usual experience. Oh, yeah, well, we... Um, but it, it does yeah. seem to me that one of the problems you might, you might have in the more general case is how do you introduce a new player? Oh, yeah. Um, and bringing a new player into an ongoing campaign is tricky anyway. In, in this particular case, the whole point of it is here to... The, the thing that's binding the group together is the good memory of the old game. Oh, yes. Not the only thing, I, I hope. The, but the group has been stable o over, the, over the years. In, yeah, fact, in, so, in your case, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. if, if you'd got... Yeah, in a, in a, we, we do occasionally get new, get new players, um, people who pop in, in for a while, and it can, it can be a problem. But I don't think briefing um, new players is that much of a problem because basically I can, I can say... This is your immediate situation. You live in the, you live in this village. You work for him over there. Mm. Um, these are your skills, or you come from that village and you have this secret power, but don't tell your allies who I've just lined you up with. Mm. That that's that's not a problem. Na the players themselves will explain the backstory and get it wrong, which is entertaining. <laughs> um, in 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 the natural in the natural course of of events. Um, I think um, I think that I can be relied on to give what necessary background there is to a player, and as you, as your um, own observation is, I'm not going to give a player more than one A four side of his own personal story and one A four side of what he knows about the world, mm -hmm. um, and let the rest come out come out naturally. As long as the player doesn't mind being the character being in a slightly subordinate role for a bit, yeah, it should. Viable, yeah. I want the thing is they are getting they were getting uh, to a quite a stable position. I want to be able to introduce something that will disrupt the stability and make them feel worried about their precious home. There, uh, I've done waves of orcs coming out of the um, of the Black Forest. I've done um, the, uh, the appearance of vampires in and other monsters. I want there to be, at some point, a major big bad, if not a person, then something developing in the in the game world that will they will have to face and they will have to solve. Off the top of my head, it seems to me that if the campaign so far has been about the leaders of this village reaching an accommodation with the world that they have found themselves in, yeah, then an obvious disruptive influence would be the arrival of another village that oh. has not made these accommodations and isn't isn't prepared to yeah i there are other settlements nearby and they are different from uh, from uh, the the english village there's a uh, a swiss village from a universe where uh, women were allowed were allowed to become christian priests they came to an accommodation there's um a welsh village who are all psionics um they, they recruited them and told them to keep quiet about it. <laughs> and there's a town of mixed Russian-Atlantean um, heritage, <laughs> um, some about a month's travel away. But yeah, bringing in some crusaders who say... You, you lot have gone native is, is the key narrative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be entirely possible. And they would have... Uh, the difficulty would be to make those people enough... Uh, that it that what the that way of approaching it is um in, in fact the stupid way to approach it but we would need to give these people uh, some sort of advantage that didn't make them an immediate walkover from my um magicians and psychics and and, and, yep. and all that yes uh yes it's an interesting thought tolerance versus intolerance hmm i think that might be a theme one thing that does strike me is um, when you're doing the game mechanical conversions, I at least would be inclined to ask the players, what, what, what are the things that you really care about for this PC in terms of mm. um, abilities? Because some, some things will end up with, you, you'll have choices about what, what flavour to give them. True. Um, the, the magic, conventional spell magic, you can port over fairly directly, but a lot of other things have changed. Well, and it's, yeah. it's, again, part of the, if they're 
fond of a particular thing, it would be nice to maintain that thing. I I would agree. Though I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to be careful with the uh, with the version of lycanthropy I give the um I I give the priest. Conventional magic is um, what's been used for the mage character, and the others is going to be. Um, one of the things I'm going to have to balance out is the is the new rule about talents, which really um, some of them ought to have. Yeah. Uh, particularly, the Lord of the Manor ought to have something to uh, to to or, uh, to give him the ability to handle this this bunch of, um, of disparate loons. Yeah. One temptate thing I'm I'm trying to veer away from there is an option there are there are lots of options in um, formatology which is um the the expansion of the fourth edition magic system uh some of it will be useful um one of the options i'm resisting is the unlimited mana or whatever it's called threshold, threshold magic. magic i've used it once or twice too often in other GURPS fantasy games it might be something i'd want to um to introduce or maybe give to the um, to the incoming bad guys because it is such a, a beautiful threat, but I'm not sure I'm not sure how it ports onto a campaign which already has quite a lot of uh, magical stuff in it. Mm. Well, though th- there is a supplement to thaumatology, an example campaign setting with several different worked examples of magic systems in it, uh, Age of Gold. Mm. Maybe I take a look. Which, which Try, tries to look at how these things can interact a bit. I also have to worry about the Atlanteans, but um, the and I think a quest for some Orichalcum might happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that was that turned off in an Infinite Worlds campaign. Mm. Yes, you you are high tech people, we, uh, but we have discovered that you know for, for leading edges of space planes and things, this Orichalcum stuff is really quite handy. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's only this one place where you can get it, and they've got gods, but you can cope with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. I think we have. I have some ideas, and I thank. I, I thank you for them. I will let. Um, I will let Yarl know how it goes. That's it for this month. We would like to remind you of our various requests for you to send us stuff. These writers, we are willing to solve all your problems that have to do with role gaming anyway. We will solve any problem for you and probably not destroy the world in the process. Well, we don't guarantee not to destroy the world in the process. We will not destroy the real world, TM, in the process. Hasn't happened happened yet that anybody noticed. Yeah. So please send us your queries about role-playing games. Send us your suggestions for stuff we can talk about. And we'll be back in about a month's time.